Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercherow, and I'm so glad you joined us today. And I'm glad to have with us today Adam Ikemus. He is the Executive Director, Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association. So, Adam, we're glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Vic. I'm excited. I'm glad that Mike Sullivan connected you and I. Well, Mike's a good friend of the show, and we're just so glad to have him introducing us to some really pretty impressive people all along the way. And when he mentioned that your job and kind of what you do, I thought, wow, that sounds like something a lot of our listeners would love to hear more about. So why don't you give me kind of the brief rundown of what your world looks like and what it is you do for golf here in the state of Michigan? Yeah, thanks, Vic. So it's a bit of a unique, it's always challenging when people, you know, ask you what you do. Uh, it's not something that people are familiar with. So what I often try to do is say, are you a member of a professional association? Are you a doctor, a lawyer, a sportscaster, all that sort of stuff? Usually there's a professional association that covers your business. So I handle all the business for the Michigan Golf Course Superintendents Association. We're one of about 100 different local chapters of the National Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. We are one of the largest chapters in the country, about 750 members. About half of those are Class A or B golf course superintendents that are managing golf courses. So we help work on events for people. Uh, If you have a network, we work on educational events, newsletters, e-blasts, and do some legislative work there in Lansing as needed. We have a lot of new relationships with the different folks in the different departments and a lot of legislators down there. I mean, obviously golf is a big part of yeah. Michigan and travel in our state. So we have a really good relationship with the state. And with over 800 golf courses, Michigan is one of the most golf-rich states in the country, which is kind of surprising with our short season. But we have the most public golf courses in any state. I didn't realize that. You know, it's funny because years ago, back when I was in my early, early 20s, I was on the, on the East Coast and golfing with somebody at a pretty prestigious course at the time. And the stranger that I had met asked me, well, does Michigan have any kind of golf courses, you know, much golf? And I, well, I don't know. And I gave him a really bad answer, which I wish I could push redo on that, Adam, because, you know, Michigan is absolutely blessed with some of the most amazing and incredible golf courses. And I can say that because literally I've had the privilege to golf in an awful lot of places around the world. And boy, combine the views and the foliage and the greenery of Michigan golf and Man, it's hard to compare, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Even beyond all that, for our point of view, the climate's really good now. Mm. Northern Michigan, especially Northwest Michigan, where I was a golf course superintendent for seven years up at Crystal Mountain Resort and Spa before I started doing this. Uh, sandy soils, oh, yeah. high temperatures. It's just really an ideal place to grow grass. You know, the farther south you go, and it's some transition areas in the middle of the country, it's you know, a little too hot, a little too cold. Michigan has those nice squared off or distinct seasons, which is really good for turf grass. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that as you were talking about the ideal situation. I was thinking about one of the times I played golf with one of our corporate leaders at the time, and he invited me to come go golfing with him. Well, I wasn't so sure that was a good idea, but we're down in Mexico. We went there. And we came around the end of the first nine and making the turn. I went straight to this uh, little mini refrigerator they had there, and I grabbed an entire quart of water from the back of that fridge, and I downed every drop of it. It was amazing how hot and, and difficult it was to be out in that climate. And then I think about some of the days we've had here in Michigan. I know it gets cold, and I know it gets windy, and all those other things, but man, 
One of the things I've always said, Adam, is that if you really want to appreciate a climate, man, when it's a 72-degree day, sunny here in Michigan, it is absolutely someplace that you know is the best place on the planet right then and there. And if you got a golf club in your hand, even better, right? Oh, yeah. There's some beautiful, it's, it's a, yeah, ideal weather, and again, even ideal soils, too. Yeah. Mostly, there's, you know, little heavier soils in the Detroit area and some other little spots, but overall, golf thrives in Michigan. Pretty cool. You mentioned the Class A and B, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. What was that a reference to? So, our National Association has classifications, much like, again, many professional associations based on your education, so did you, what's your level of college, what's your level of experience in the golf course, how much continuing education have you completed, all those sort of things. So. Once you become a golf course superintendent, you become a class B automatically, and then based on that education and experience, you get attain class A status. And then if you want to take the next level, you can become a certified golf course superintendent, which I am, and continue to maintain. So that's kind of the, the highest level, of, you know, if you think about, like, you know, a certified accountant, the CPA, uh, similar to that, but with the golf course superintendent one. Yeah, you know, I think it's so appropriate for you and your position to be able to speak the language and uh, maybe we can have a chance to get back into a little bit of some of your experience back in the days as you got started here and assume I kind of got to your current role. Well, look, uh, Adam, I am so grateful that you took time out to be here today. So it's kind of as the season is winding down here in the state of Michigan, but I'm sure there's lots to do and the off seasons are always important to golf courses as well for planning and different things going on. So glad you're with us. Glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business. Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bruchero, and we'll be right back. Sonair has an unwavering belief that all people deserve the opportunities provided by living in healthy communities. They've lived that mission for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. You don't make that kind of broad impact without a skilled, diverse, and highly valued team. That's one of the reasons Sonair has been consistently named a top place to work by Detroit Free Press, a Crane's Detroit Cool Places to Work, and a Best Nonprofit to Work For. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero, and today Adam Ekimus is with us. He's the Executive Director of the Michigan Golf Course Superintendents Association. And I have to tell you, whenever I was in trouble in high school, it was going to the principal's office, the superintendent's office. I don't think I ever made it to there, but you know, on some of my days on golf, if I really have probably met some of those people, I would assume, and hopefully didn't hurt their course too much. But you know, I got to tell you, Adam, it probably was a time in your life when somebody inspired you in golf, and how far does that go back, and how early did that start for you to say, you know, golf is pretty cool, and it's something I want to be a part of? Yeah, I think I have the same story as a lot of golfers. I started golfing with my dad, and he 
was a passionate golfer. He probably played four to five rounds of golf a week. Oh, wow. A professor and a flexible schedule. And, you know, so dad was gone golfing a lot. He had started taking me along and I found a passion for it. And that kind of led me to go, well, what can I do as a job? Started caddying when I was 13 years old and then worked my way on the ground screw when I was 17 years old. Went to Michigan State University, got a degree in surfgrass management, interned at Oakland Hills over in the Detroit area, went up to Shandy Creek. After that, and then got the job at Crystal Mountain Resort and Spa in 2004 and was there until 2011. But my dad's really the one that got me started down this path, and there's been plenty of things between then and now. Well, and it's interesting, you know, because I was raised by somebody that was born in 1903. He was 57 years old when I was born. So, you know, when it came time to do sports or whatever, golf just wasn't something that he had ever gotten involved with or any other sport. And, of course, his coaching, to me, was always in the shop. And he'd say, get back, which is usually meaning get out of the way, you know. And in your case, you got to spend some time with your dad and do some pretty meaningful stuff. And I have to ask, is your dad still with us? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. But you know, what great memories. And I think that's some of the things that is so fun. It's not an age thing, is it? We find people playing at younger ages all the time. And I look up and I see some of the fellows that really enjoy and ladies. I have a dear friend of mine. She's in her 80s and she still golfs uh, once or twice a week. And her hip kind of gives her some trouble, but my golly, she really enjoys it. And that's the beauty of golf is that it speaks a lot of different languages and it also speaks to a lot of different ages along the way. When you got started, was it something that came natural to you or did your dad really kind of uh, work with you and mold you into the passion that it is? Well, if you're talking about my golf game, you know, he, he was a decent golfer when he was younger and got a little worse as he got older, as all, we, all of us do. And as far as my golf game, I, you know, there's a little while there. I had a single-digit handicap. Those days are gone. I have a family and two yeah. daughters. And, <laughs> I uh, don't get out as much as I used to. As far as golf goes, uh, you know, at one point I had dabbled with the idea of going to be a golf pro, sort of taking classes and transfer to Ferris State. But as me, I was working on the golf course, and I kind of found a passion that I didn't know I was going to have. I didn't know anything about golf course maintenance. I didn't know how it worked or any of that sort of stuff. And, and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and, and the people that do it and why they do it. It just kind of got its hooks into me, and that happens to a lot of people that are in our membership. And, nationally you just kind of can't do anything else yeah uh, it's what you have to do and that's great it's a double-edged sword it can lead to a lot of burnout and stress and fatigue because you're trying to do a lot with very little and you're battling mother nature and you're trying to save money and all that sort of stuff and people drive by a golf course and look at us it, you know it's grass i have grass in my house and, and that's like saying you know i have a car and you see that one uh, racing team, lots of cartoons. Uh, I mean, they're not. They're the same thing. Right. They're not the same thing. It's so, not even close. Uh, it's a great life. It's a great career. I highly recommend it. But if you don't love it, you're probably not going to work out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If I can ask a personal question about your girls, uh, are, yeah. are they old enough to enjoy the game? They are. Well, they're eight and five. Okay. Nine. She'll be nine next month. And She's done some, uh, the LPGA has these really great classes called Girls Golf Ready, and she's been doing those here. I live over on the west side of the state in Rockford at Scott Lake, and they just have a really great program. So it's, they make it fun. It's not yeah. lessons, you know, they're tying ribbons to their clubs and chipping under pool noodles and who can put it in the cup fastest. <laughs> really making it a fun thing at that age, and that's really important. You know, we went through that Tiger Woods boom for a while, and everybody was trying to, you know, drill a professional golfer to their yeah. children, and it doesn't work. 
for anybody but Tiger Woods. Yeah, one in a few million, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So make it fun. And so far, they love it. You know, we'll ship in the backyard and stuff like that. I think it'll very open. Include that even more. Well, isn't that fun? You know, and I think some of the challenges that golf has had is getting younger people in golf. Am I reading that right? Is that true? Yeah, it is. There's a lot of great programs. Again, there's a program called Youth Line Course where they can go out. Kids can sign up for that. I think it's five or ten dollars to play golf at these different facilities that Mm -hmm. have signed up. And again, helps cover half of those costs and get them involved. Uh, PGA Junior League. There's you know jerseys and one guy's driver, one guy's chipper. And all that sort of stuff, and it's all been working really well. That mixed with COVID, which has actually been a boom for the golf industry. We've had two of the busiest years we've ever had because people are looking for something to do that's safe, outdoors, exercise. And now they have the time to do it because everybody was so time-strapped. Now all of a sudden, everything shut down. People are working from home in quotes with their earbuds in on the golf course, <laughs> taking a meeting and, you know, yeah. playing golf. So, yeah. yeah, it's really changed a lot in the last two years, getting in a good direction. And so many things have, and, and it's so important, especially in your position and the people you're helping to lead, to stay flexible and keep up with those changes. And so, man, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. And so glad, Adam, that you could be with us here today on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business. This network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. The workplace keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals, from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. This is the Michigan Business Network. Right here is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bershero with Adam Ekamus, and he is the Executive Director, Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association. And Adam, when we were talking in the last segment, I just want to circle back to the activities of building involvement in youth because that's kind of an important part of where I think a lot of sports and different programs go. And I watch some of the things that are going on in golf courses that I don't know if they're gimmicks or whether they're driven by a strategic involvement. So one of them, I think, is Frisbee golf I've heard about. I don't know if that's something that they play out there on golf courses. Another is uh, some of these uh, segways that have been rigged up so somebody can put a golf bag on the front of them and go uh, go play golf. What are your thoughts on some of these things that are a little side issues and not the purest part of the golf course? Yeah, I think one of the great things that's kind of happened, some of it's COVID-related, some of it's just youth-related, is is trying to make the game more accessible to all, right? It had kind of a stigma of the, you know, old rich guy, you know, got to wear a certain shirt, can't wear shorts, dress code, wear your jacket inside, and a lot of that stuff's kind of been pushed aside and it's become much more of a family activity. Like everything else, I mean, the days of, yeah, going to the office and going to the club and staying there and drinking scotch all evening and coming home and having dinner, that doesn't happen anymore. So now, you know, you really have, there's lots of different family programs and, 
a lot of country clubs are investing money into having fancy dining areas and outdoor spaces and youth programs and pools. And pools, yeah. And disc golf. You talked about disc golf. There are some courses that have done disc golf. There are some courses that have done foot golf. We actually kick a soccer ball in the oh. <laughs> We've done some of that sort of stuff. There's oversized cups that they use sometimes on the actual golf. No way. <laughs> like the size of a mini basketball. Yeah. Some of the, the scooters you're talking about, there's uh, the golf boards, they're kind of like a surfboard, and there's some motorbikes, uh, all these different things to get you around the golf course. But honestly, the best way, throw a bag over your shoulder and go for a nice walk. Yeah, uh, you, know. you know. Get out there, walk nine holes, you'll be outside in nature, playing a sport, having fun. It's just, it's really hard to beat. Well, yeah, and of course, you know, the beautiful day on the golf course and everything else just makes it just something just by God. It's just great when you have that kind of weather. And of course, you know, sometimes there's inclement weather. And I think about golf courses sometimes when there's these big golf outings and somebody has an outing where it happens to be on a day that it's gloomy and maybe drizzly and not bad enough to shut the course down, but it's a day that that course is probably not going to have anybody on it. And all of a sudden, we've got 200 golfers out there on a golf yeah. outing. So those are probably days when the superintendent smiled, right? Yeah, I mean, so weather is the number one challenge for any golf course superintendent. I don't care if you're Augusta National or a local community. Nobody can control the weather. You can mitigate as much as you can. You can plan for it as much as you can. But this summer was a really good example of that with massive flooding uh, across lots of areas of the state. Uh, golf courses underwater, dead grass. Extreme heat. Uh, we started to get a lot warmer uh, in the summer lately, you know, dealing with those sort of things. And then on top of that, throw in COVID and some of the labor shortages. Oh yeah. We're dealing with. I mean, they cannot find staff to work on golf courses. And one thing I will say is, it's one of the best networking things you can do as a young person. Go work at <laughs> a pro shop. Go get in a back staff. Go caddy. Go mow greens. Whatever it is. The members of those clubs and the golfers of those clubs will get to know you. You yep. know that, and that can't possibly hurt. And a lot of your listeners are members of those clubs. And a great way to find interns, find future leaders, is you know bringing them to that golf course environment. So I would encourage anybody that has any interest in golf to get out there, call your local golf course. They're ready. That's such a good point, Adam, because we all have been looking for employees along the way. And when you see a young lady or a young man out there hustling and just, you know, doing the right things, has a personality, doesn't grunt at you, can actually have a conversation. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, what are you doing right now? You're in college? What are you, what are you studying up on? And those are powerful connections. It's no different than sometimes, you know, I know that there's different private schools that people have attended and it kind of becomes a brotherhood and sisterhood of you went to that school and so did my dad or so did I and next thing you know your doors are open and I think what you're bringing up is the fact that business is done on the golf course and it doesn't matter what age you are there's a lot of great things that can happen just by the dynamic of what happens on a golf course. Yeah, I mean, imagine, uh, hey, Vic, do you want to get Four hours of uninterrupted time is unheard of in any other way in today's society. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's effort golf. What's so exciting for me, Adam, is, and I know you feel this in your business, is the tradition of the great sport and some of the incredible legends that we can sit on a Sunday or whatever and watch golf event on television. You know, it was funny when I was younger, I used to think that the professionals made every shot because all the ones you saw on recap was always at this 40 foot you're going in, you know. And, and so when you see them miss, miss one, you go, man, I think I, I might have been able to make that. But, you know, it, it, that's a pipe dream. Well, it's so fun to talk to you, Adam. So fun to take me out to the golf course right now in my own mind. And I'm so glad that people are tuned in today here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Big Bershiro. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Spirit, face paint, more cowbell. Dean Trailways Motor Coach takes care of your travel so you can support your favorite Spartan teams and focus on the important things. Visit DeanTrailways.com, book your next Spartan trip, and make Dean Trailways your favorite ride. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I've got Adam Ickemus with us. He's the Executive Director of the Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association right here on the Michigan Business Network. And Adam, as I think about the superintendent job, and that's kind of the focus of what you do is try to support that difficult role. I think it is difficult because it seems like there's a lot of masters to serve. And number one probably is that golf individual that's out there on the golf course and their perception of that golf course and what they say when they leave to their buddies about the shape the course is in or this or that. But that superintendent has a lot of challenges because it's uh, whether I can hire the right person to be there greeting them at the bag drop off, uh, whether I've got the right person helping get their drinks ready for the course, riding the cart, groundskeeping, and then I've got to battle weather and I've got all of that to do and try to make a buck. And so, which probably commands that I've got to report to a board of directors or an owner. So that's a pretty tall order for anybody. So tell me about trying to master some of those typical challenges for a superintendent of any golf course. Yeah, the, uh, the great basketball coach, Roy Williams, said this a couple of times, kind of made him a hero amongst our industry. So the two easiest jobs in the world are college basketball coach and golf course superintendent because everybody knows how to do your job better than you do. Oh. <laughs> uh, he said, it was funny when he retired, he said, I, you know, I get on a lot of good golf courses saying that because uh, the superintendents like me so much. And it's true. <laughs> it's one of those things that I often say it's like 20 or 30 things have to go just right by the time you step on that first tee and hit your tee shot. The amount of work, planning, I mean, there's guys right now Prepping the golf course for the winter, so it comes out clean in the spring. They're doing budgeting, forecasting, purchasing, and with supply chain issues, you know, there's issues with that right now. Nothing's getting cheaper anywhere. Golf no. courses is no exception to that. All the fertilizer and the plant protections and all the different things that you need to put down to make sure a golf course is in good shape. Everything is getting more expensive, and I see too often people show up and go, oh, the greens are slow, or they're bumpy, or 
you know, there's this issue or that issue, and, and I often say, well, what, how much are you paying to play that golf course? If you're a member at a private country club, and you know, the budget should match accordingly, but if you're doing a group golfer discount, you're paying 20, 30 bucks for 18 holes in a cart, that golf course is 100% losing money on that. Wow. Maintaining and operating a golf course is not a high margin business. Last two years has been better, but there was a lot of years before that where they couldn't afford to buy new equipment. They couldn't afford to get new golf carts. They couldn't afford to upgrade the carpet in the pro shop. All these things that have been deferred because of the cost and the overhead. So what I often ask people to do is remember, you always get what you pay for, whether that's a lot or a little. Yep. And support your local golf course. If it's something that you love doing and you go every Saturday to your local course, especially if it's a small public golf course, it's privately owned a small business, yep. it's okay to pay a little bit more. They're going to use that money to make sure the golf course is good or at least stays open. Yeah. I often kind of draw that line between hunters, right? You have hunters and duck hunters and ducks unlimited and conservation groups that they donate to to make sure that their hobby survives. Whereas golfers are always looking, well, I got five guys, what kind of discount can you give me? <laughs> I'm going to two for one because it does, on the surface, it looks like it's just sitting there. Yes. Well, you might have let me out there for 10 bucks, it's better than nothing. Yeah, right. It's really not, right? I mean, now you start to erode your price point, and now what's the actual value of that golf course and where you discount it? Just like anything else, whether you're selling cars or golf rounds, once you start discounting it, it lowers your actual value. Right. That's really interesting. Adam, I think you brought up something really important. I know for a fact, I, I hope I'm not giving away any secret recipes here, but I happen to know that minor league baseball, as an example, used to give away tickets all day long. The idea was they give away the tickets and make it up on the hot dogs or the colas or whatever they're selling. But part of what that is, is a free ticket is perceived as just that. So a cheap golf course is perceived as cheap in the whole process. And so when part of what I think that you're reminding us of is how do we bring value into our businesses, whether we're a superintendent of golf course or whether we're selling widgets anywhere in the country, the issue is how do you bring value? How do you restate and remind people of the value that's there? And I have to tell you a whole movie, Adam, that you may appreciate when you talk about the cost of things. I lived up in the thumb of Michigan for a number of years, and one of our cute little golf courses, a nine-holer, you would look up on any given day, and you would see the local fertilizer company coming through spraying the fairways with a terrigator. Now, I don't know if our crowd knows what a terrigator is, but it's that huge, monstrous massive agricultural fertilizer spreader that goes into the farm fields. And so up in the thumb, they would run that bad boy down through the fairways. And <laughs> and I'm sure they got a discount on the fertilizer, you know, compared to what else it would be. But, you know, there's a lot of cagey ways to make money. And one of the things you just reminded us of, I think that's so important, is the importance of bringing value in everything we do and making sure that we restate and remind people of that important value. And certainly small businesses and organizations organizations in these small towns, whether it's shopping local on Main Street or whether it's golfing local and uh, helping remind everybody that I'm not looking for something for free because I value the fact that we got this golf course right here in our community. That's a pretty big deal. And Adam, you're uh, doing a great job of reminding us of that. So glad you're with us today here on the Michigan Business Network and the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to go away for a few messages and we'll be right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Newfound Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. Today we have with us Adam Ickemus, and he is the Executive Director, Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association. And Adam, you had mentioned earlier a couple segments ago about you graduated from MSU, is that correct? I did. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and were you in the turf grass program there? I was, yeah. Yeah, that's something that when you said that, I wanted to circle back on that. I hope you don't mind me just take a minute to talk about that because when I think about Michigan State University, it truly is an international gem, our turf grass management program, and you came from those roots. So can you tell us why that's so highly regarded and some of the things that are done out there at MSU? Yeah, it was one of the founding turf grass programs back in, I believe, the 50s and 60s. Um, along with Penn State and a few others. And they have a world-class research facility. It's called the Hancock Turfgrass Research Center right there on the uh, south east side of campus. All sorts of world-round research goes on over there. Uh, and then the professors and the students, I mean, if you go to pretty much any golf course, you're going to find a Spartan in the maintenance shop, <laughs> or a state bulldog in the pro shop. I love it. <laughs> uh, so depending on which flag you're flying, now, as a, as a Spartan, I'm surprised you didn't say, and a Wolverine mowing the grass. I thought that was where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that every last Saturday. I'll leave that. They're very good. Very good. <laughs> That's wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, one of the things on the TURP program, and we talked a little bit about labor before, and, and labor really is important. And if you think you have any sort of idea that you want to work outside or you enjoy being outside, go get a job on a golf course. And then what that might lead to, like it did for me, is to actually look at this as a career. And, you know, right down the road in Lansing, there's one of the best schools, and there's a four-year program if you want to get a both yeah. work. There's also a two-year program. So you can get it out of there. In two years, come out with a turf grass certificate, and that will get you ready to become assistant golf course superintendent. And right now, the need is really great on both the superintendent and the professional side. Oh, wow. So down at Ferris State, one of the best pro golf management schools in the country, and at Michigan State, one of the best turf grass management programs in the country. So in the life of a golf course superintendent, you know, you're, you have some downtime a little bit in the winter. It's full go all summer, but you're outside, you're seeing the sunrise, the birds are chirping, that job satisfaction of seeing the golf course all set up and ready to go. And you can make, you know, there's the deep six-figure jobs out there uh, for golf course superintendents, so you can make a really good living doing it as well. So if you have any thoughts that that might be something that you'd like to do, take a look at Michigan State University's progress program. The need is great. There's a lot of guys retiring right now, and there's not a lot to backfill. So it's a great time to get into it. Well, and I also love what you did there, Adam, because there's not a lot of careers that you can come alongside and uh, test drive, if you will. And I think about what you just shared as a young man or young woman. If you come into uh, a career and you're looking for an opportunity, I can just see where a golf course can have you doing probably uh, two dozen different jobs and you can kind of get a feel for what they all are because they need good, competent people that want to hustle and do a great job. And so yeah, I love what you did there. 
Yeah, golfers superintendents are great mentors. Show that you have a passion, and they will take you under their wing and show you every part of the Well, isn't that important? Because it transcends to any type of career. When you see passion inside of a young person and that somebody that wants to hustle and get ahead in their life, boy, that is pretty easy to pour into them no matter what your career is because you're like, this person has what it takes to succeed because they're willing to work hard and they've got the bright capabilities. And then also, you know, if you add to that their ability to communicate and to treat the golfers with some respect, man, you've got yourself a real winner there, and you don't know how far that person can go in your organization. Yeah, it can take you a long way, whether you're working, in the, again, back to networking with members, or uh, it can take you all the way to the profession, and you never know where you end up. Sometimes you end up on the radio talking with you, but... <laughs> you just yeah, never know. <laughs> well, and tell me, was there somebody that did that for you, that came alongside you? So there have been a few. John Foyne is the superintendent of Canada Country Club. He's the immediate past president of our national association. John helped form our chapter, uh, four separate chapters, and one statewide in 2008. Uh, Steve Hammond is the golf course superintendent of Traverse City Golf and Country Club, uh, and a good friend of mine and another mentor of mine. And I've been working with different guys on our board for 10 years, so there's yeah. so many. I hesitate to name them all because it would take the rest of the time they have together. Jay Appleton uh, at the Emerald St. John's, another great mentor of mine. I've, had, I've, had, I've been fortunate to have very many leaders in my life that have helped me learn and grow. Isn't that the way it is? And, and of course, really, too, I think you would agree with this, is that it doesn't have to be from the industry. You can learn some pretty great things from people that have taught you along lessons whether it's your dad, you know, teaching you about just to respect the game or whether it's a school teacher or somebody along the way that cared enough about you to pour into you. I think that's a good reminder of being able to reach out and do that for anybody in your past. Absolutely. And I want to make sure I don't leave out Ron Lee. He's recently retired from the Meadows of Grand Valley. Oh, yeah. Great mentor of mine, so I don't want to go down the path too far. But yeah, show up, have some passion. And, man, if you just do those two things, it's amazing how far we take it. Oh, amen. That's so cool. Well, I'm so glad. Adam, it's just great to visit with you and, of course, to have my mind wander up to the beautiful golf courses in my past right here in the great state of Michigan. So, so glad you're with us today. So glad you tuned in the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. Perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. Michigan.
This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I've got one short segment left with Adam Ekemus, and he is the Executive Director of the Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association. And I really have enjoyed our conversation today. And one of the things that I think that, that as we move forward trying to figure out, you know, where do we go from here and what some of the challenges are, the one that we didn't get a chance to touch on is sometimes people naively think, about the environmental impacts of a golf course. And I wanted to bring that up because my background is in agriculture, and I think a lot of times agriculture gets kind of carved into that same bucket of just throwing chemicals or non-organic things around. I know the cost of chemicals, and nobody wants to overuse them in any way, shape, or form because it goes straight to the bottom line. So tell me your thoughts on environmental protections and things that golf course superintendents are involved with. Yeah, so... Back, you know, in the 60s and 70s, maybe even the 80s, golf courses kind of had a bad rap as, as being not very good for the environment. And some of that was deserved, but we've come a long way from that. And now every golf course you drive by has somebody there that's a college educated. They use our association to continue the education. Somebody that's managing that property. And as you said about agriculture, there is no benefit in over-fertilizing or over-spraying a golf course. There's no benefit in using products that are harmful to off-site, you know, to enter anything you're not targeting. So often people look at that as you know, overuse of water, overuse of fertilizer, overuse of chemicals. None of that is accurate. Some of the sensing data we have now as far as water use, over-watering a golf course is a golfer you know. You don't want to play on a soft no. golf course. Right. You want something firm and fast. So ideally, you want to apply as little water as possible to keep that golf course going. You want to apply as little fertilizer as possible to keep the plant healthy, but not grow too fast. You want to spray just enough to keep your integrated pest management levels at acceptable levels where they're not causing damage. Another thing that often gets overlooked that I talk about a lot is if not a golf course, then what? So especially in like a city area, an urban area, take a look at Google Maps in Detroit. Pick out the green squares. Those are golf courses. If those weren't there, what would it be? Strip malls, shopping centers, pavement, yeah. So when you're on those golf courses and you see the the geese landing, you see the deer running around, that's where they live. It's some of the only green space available. And a lot of that green space has been there for 100 plus years. Right. When you look at uh, the Cushville Detroit Detroit Golf Club, some of those courses in that metro area, they've been around, you know, from the early 1900s, some golf courses even stretch into the late 1800s in the state of Michigan. And that one facility has been there managing that green space, not just for animals and wildlife, but also for the community. How many dances, how many weddings, how many senior proms have been held at these different facilities over the years? They're really a key part of a lot of communities to have this open green space that is well-managed. It's not somebody out there just dumping fertilizer and chemicals into it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, to your point, Adam, I mean, honestly, I drive by some lawns that are manicured and so green and everything else, and I guarantee that that local resident uh, homeowner is pumping on more chemicals into that yard than the golf course is using on any given day. And I, yeah, you, one pound is good, two pounds. <laughs> right. What an inspiration. I never really thought about it, but you're exactly right. We just lost a municipal golf course here in Lansing, and uh I'm watching them bulldoze and land move it and everything else. I've got a car wash going in and all kinds of other stuff that's happening. And that used to be just the coolest big old green space right in the heart of a very busy downtown, you know, suburban type of area. So, you know, you make a great point about if not a golf course, then what is that going to be? And 
And a golf course sure is a, a beautiful alternative. Well, as we think about uh, wrapping up here, I, I want to make sure that if anybody has any questions or thoughts, how would they find you or your organization? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, our website is migcsa.org, the acronym for Michigan Golf Course Superintendent Association.org. If you are a young person looking to learn how to play the game of golf, do a little Google search for youth.course. It's a national program run here locally by the Golf Association of Michigan. Another option if you're young is look up PGA Junior League. That's also run the PGA section here. In Michigan, if you're interested in going into this industry, uh, if you're interested to look at uh, what it takes to go to Michigan State University, do a simple Google search for MSU Turf Crash and get you to where you need to be there. You know, we're on all the social media channels, MIGCSA, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those sort of spots. And uh, on the website, there's information to contact me. If anybody has questions for me directly, I'm happy to answer them. Oh, that's awesome. Well, as we've had our conversation here today, you know, Adam, I, I just think about uh, so many of the amazing memories uh, that have been created because I spent some time on a golf course, whether it was with dear friends and, frankly, some of them no longer here on this earth, whether it was with a mom or a dad, whether it was with just buddies hanging out or business associates. It's been a great memory, uh, and I, that's kind of what you're all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Get out there. Learn how to play golf. You don't have to play well. Just get out there and try. It's a, it's a great sport lifelong activities and uh, the memories you make on the golf course are hard to make anywhere else. Absolutely. Adam, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. Can't wait to talk to you next time. Take care. Michigan.